I'm not even saying this because I'm on this podcast. I'm doing this because of Bill King. I have a Holy Toledo tattoo on my arm. I grew up listening to Bill King, either going to baseball practice or coming home from baseball practice. Hey everyone, welcome back to Straight A's. Today, I'm joined by longtime A's fan and 95.7 The Game producer Kyle Madsen, who discusses what it means to be a long-suffering A's fan, how he compares this team to past playoff teams, and how and why local media covers the A's. So, without further ado, here's Kyle. Hello, everyone. I am joined by Kyle Madsen from 95.7, and I know that he's a longtime A's fan, so welcome, Kyle. I'm so happy to be on this podcast. I was so excited. To have an A's podcast in my rotation. And then you asked me to come on, and it was like, yes, of course. This part of the objective so, of the pod is to get some A's fans on and talking about the team because I feel like that's it's a somewhat neglected part of the conversation. And everyone says, you know, the A's don't have a lot of fans, but I've been on the beat just about long enough to know that they have plenty of fans that are very dedicated. So I wanted to get some dedicated fans on to talk about their favorite team. Um, and I know it's, it's always, it's a frustrating process being an A's fan sometimes. So uh, I want to get into that a little bit, but first I want to get into uh, the genesis of your A's fandom. Uh, just tell us a little bit about who you are. I know that a lot of A's fans might know who you are from Twitter or from 95.7. Um, but tell, tell us a little bit about where you're from and how you became an A's fan. All right. So I grew up in the Bay area. My parents were huge A's fans, um, and had season tickets and stuff for, for the couple of years they were together before, uh, I was born. Um, and that was just kind of being around that growing up and then playing baseball and kind of falling in love with the sport that way. And then going to A's games, that was easy to kind of fall in love what is your favorite moment that you witnessed at the coliseum oh i was at game three of the 06 alds against the twins um so i had you know i was born in 90 so most of my life the a's were either really bad or coming up short in the alds Mm -hmm. uh so to be there in 06 um, for that third game against the Twins, and it was the Scudero double down the line, and mm-hmm. I think it was Jesse Crane, uh, was just uh, was unbelievable uh, because that season was so fun. It was so random. It was like Frank Thomas in an A's uniform and uh, having an MVP caliber <laughs> season, and and uh, Marco Scudero being being the hero in in the postseason. And uh, you know, it, the next round didn't go as great against Detroit, but um, man, being being there for that was just electric because everybody in the building knew what the stakes were. Everybody in the building uh, had watched them come up short against the Yankees and the Red Sox in, in, in the years prior. And that 06 season was just so random. It was out of nowhere. And they were just a super awesome, really fun team. And that moment was, was uh, top notch. There've been a lot, but that one sits, sits, sits above the rest of them. And it's one of a few playoff series wins that the A's have had in the last, uh, in this century <laughs> my life. Um, yeah my entire life <laughs> right uh who who are you with at that game was it were you with your family your friends yeah my folks so my folks bought season tickets again for the 07 season mm. um so we got playoff tickets in 06 and I wound up actually having my wisdom teeth taken out the like the 
between the ALDS and ALCS. So the two ALCS games in Oakland, I didn't even get to go to uh, because I had chipmunk cheeks and couldn't function. Um, so, so it wound up actually being kind of a blessing. But at the time, I was, I was pretty bummed out about it. But looking back, I'm glad that my memory of that 06 postseason was uh, them beating the Twins and not getting their teeth kicked in by the Tigers. Yeah, that's, uh, you, you got to see the highlight. So that's, that's all that matters. Exactly. You can remember it just for that. <laughs> no, as far as I'm concerned, the postseason ended game three of the yeah. division series. Yeah, that's all that matters. <laughs> um, so you work in sports. You, you're a producer at 95.7. Um, what sort of prompted you to get into sports media? And uh, how, uh, how much were the A's a part of that? So I'm not even saying this because I'm on this podcast. Uh, I'm doing this because of Bill King. Mm. Um, I have a, I have a Holy Toledo tattoo on my arm. Um, I grew mm. up listening to Bill King, um, you know, either going to baseball practice or coming home from baseball practice. Uh, and those early points of my life where baseball was really becoming ingrained and what I was doing, not only as a fan, but, but playing it and starting to play travel ball and, and having it really be part of my life. Like Bill King was just, was, was a huge part of that. And then Ken Korak as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, who I who I idolized, um, but baseball on the radio was really my first foray into um, like media. And like I said, as I was playing more baseball, I was realizing that like I wasn't as good as the kids who were really good. Right. And I was probably going to need to to go a different route. So um, you know, when when I was I was sitting there on the bench, I'd you know kind of call the game in my head. You know, oh, what, what would Bill King say here? What would Ken Korak say here? And, um, ended up doing that in college, actually, uh, at Sacramento State, calling their games mm. and just trying to get involved in that, got involved in radio. And, uh, you know, the dominoes kind of fell from there, and, and this is where I landed. But uh, the A's, Bill King and Ken Gorak, had a had a outsized influence on my, my career path. What about I, – this seems like such an obvious question just because what isn't to love about Bill King, but what about – his voice captured your imagination? Um, the fact that it felt like I was watching on TV and the fact that he, he described the game in a way that was like, it was very clearly brilliant, but it wasn't beyond the understanding of a 10 year old. <laughs> and, the, and, and like, just the way he captured moments and rose to the excitement of moments. Good example is the Hatterberg walk off for 20 wins in a row mm-hmm. um, that night, because that they were, you know, up 11 and then the Royals came back and tied it. It got so late that my folks are like, yo, look, you got to go to bed. Like it's school night. <laughs> you got to go to sleep. I'm, I'm, I'm 10 at the time. No, I, I'm sorry. I turned 11 during the streak. So oh. um, I'm 11 years old. And so they're like, yeah, you know, you got to go to bed. Like, this is ridiculous. So I go lay down. And very shortly after I lay down, I'm laying awake, like trying to hear my parents' TV. <laughs> and um, I hear my dad yell, there it is. And so I, you know, run in there and the ball's going <laughs> over the fence and everyone's running the base. We run down to the car because we want to turn the radio on because they do the replay highlights after the game so we ran down to the car so we could catch the radio call um 
And it was just uh, because we wanted that. We wanted to hear what Bill had to say and how he said it. And of course, because it's Bill King, he nailed it. And it's an iconic call. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's Bill King, man. Love him. Going back to your, your job, obviously, now that you've been an A's fan for uh, all these years, how do you feel? And I don't want to th- you to throw your career under the bus, but how do you how do you feel about the way that the A's are portrayed in local and national media? Do you feel like they get enough attention relative to how good they are, how much other people are in the Bay Area like them? What do you think about how it's covered? How the team is covered? Um, no. So there's this. This is definitely like an internal struggle I have because the A's fan in me goes dude like look at this team um they are perpetually counted out and i don't want to i don't want to necessarily say that because like in 2013 2014 people thought they'd be pretty good and they were considered like the best team in the league the first half of 2014 so it's not like it's like when they're good people don't talk about them but i mean the fact of the matter is is like media is ratings based and views based and uh, it is as much as we want to believe it's about uh, just reporting news. Like it is a profit driven business. And right. so I fully understand that from the perspective of, all right, they can, uh, ESPN can show um, A's Mariners or they can show Yankees Red Sox. Like I understand why it's always Yankees Red Sox. I don't like it. I would love to see the A's on ESPN, especially when they're winning 98 games. I would love to see the A's uh, lead off um, MLB tonight, especially when they're winning 98 games or 10 in a row. But I, I just, I understand that, um, I understand why it doesn't happen. I would like it to, hmm. but um, I, I, I get that there are people who make decisions and much more money than I do uh, <laughs> that are paid to make those decisions, why they do it. Right. The it logic sucks, is there. I get it. And it's, it sucks, but it's logical, which, you know, yeah. what are you going to do about it? It's just how it is. That's sometimes I that's try, the way I, I my, explain it to people. I do my best, you know, fitting, yeah. fitting things in and, yeah. um, you, you know, do. when it's a story, you know, making sure it's a story, but, uh, you know, um, it, it just, you know, like I said, it's, it is, it is, I hate this phrase, but it is kind of what it is. Um, yeah. And I've I've learned to accept it more as I've gotten further into this business and understand kind of how the how the sausage is made. Yeah, that's a it's kind of a harsh reality when you get in. You think that you can sort of change the way that people think or change. You you think that when you get into sports media, you think that you can sort of shake things up, even if at at a very low level. But then you realize that that's near impossible. <laughs> You're kind of yeah, and it's not and it's not yeah. It's, it's not an indictment on A's fans. Like, it's not like the A's fans right. that exist are not, are not good. Like, they're incredible. I bought yeah. – I had season tickets when I was in college in the right field bleachers, and that is the best group of fans. I've been to a lot of stadiums. That's the best group of fans anywhere, like football, basketball, baseball. Like, they're, they're incredible, and that needs to be highlighted. And I think, I think local media does actually a really good job of highlighting um, – A's fans and and their dedication and commitment to the team. Yeah, I just think there are so many things that, uh, you know, especially nationally, you know, okay, they're the team that always uh, flounders in the playoffs and they're known more for 
a Michael Lewis book than they are um, what they do on the field. And, and, and it's frustrating. And like you said, you want so badly to change it. Um, but then you kind of realize like, man, it's just a little bit this way for a reason. So. Right. Yeah. It's, it's nice to see Brad Pitt playing uh, Billy Bean on the big screen. Yeah. And it's just like, that, that was that such was a cool. huge disconnect for me as a Bay Area native. It's just like, you know, you grow up in this area and you don't have a Brad Pitt vision. It, like the, the A's aren't painted in a Brad Pitt uh, type of way, you know? And then you see that movie come out and it's just, it's the, the, the Hollywoodization of the A's was, was uh, I don't know the right, abrupt for me. <laughs> as a as a young person I was just getting into college so it was uh I was like oh like I was just starting to think about getting into sports media I was like oh I guess I guess this is a Brad Pitt deal nice okay gotta recalibrate my idea of what the A's are it was so jarring because you're watching Moneyball and it's like it's like man like I know that like I know who these people are like I (laughs) I watched this happen Yeah, I'm seeing Brad Pitt, you know, in there, and Jonah Hill, and and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like, that was that was wild stuff. Royce yeah. Clayton playing Miguel Tejada, which I still think is hilarious. <laughs> it's yeah, and I mean, it's also this team that we're watching right now, and over the last four-ish years. I mean, having watched them closely, it feels like it's one of the better teams that they've had in the last. 20 years I mean what it's at the top would you say that that's true yes I think yeah yeah because this this team isn't built full of guys that's that are like okay he hits lefties sometimes and oh this guy might get hot and you know get on base at a at a 580 clip for three weeks but you know then go at 200 the rest of the year um, it's, it's the, the, even the bullpen, like if, if Lou Trevino is going to be an awesome closer, like that's not that big of a shock. Like that's not a huge surprise. He was really good as a rookie and he's taken a couple years to figure it out. But if he's figured it out, um, and you're going to get Sean Manaya pitching as well as he has, and you're going to get Jesus Luzardo, who is, uh, awesome against, against Minnesota and, and Frankie Montas is just electric. Like it's a lot of guys that it's like, Oh, that's a legit major leaguer. Like, this is an all-star caliber major leaguer, whether he's playing for the A's, the Yankees, or the Pirates. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's more of those guys. So I agree completely because it's more of those guys than it's felt like in your past. It's not one or two yeah. guys who might be great major leaguers and then a cobbled-together lineup. It's uh, it's a lot of players who, who I think are going to be uh, good in the major leagues and good for a while. That's when, – whenever I hear sort of questions about uh, the A's decision to let – Liam Hendricks walk, which we'll ignore the financial aspect of that for a second. But I just, I tell them, okay, think about who Liam Hendricks was two years ago. Like exactly the entire essence of what Liam Hendricks has become is mostly a factor of how the A's were able to. And I know that Liam also did a lot of work on his own to become who he was. So I don't want to just give all the A's the credit, but, uh, you know, it, it was, it was a transformation of sorts. Like, you know, Blake Trinan became, lost his job. He got injured in Liam Hendricks was there to step up. And in that, on that platform, he became one of the best closers in baseball, if not the best closer in baseball. So I sort of say, okay, look at 
how you think of Liam Hendricks now and think about what you thought of him in 2018 and think about why can't that happen to another pitcher that they have on staff that you might not even know yet. It's, it's, that's sort of the magic of the A's that I'm discovering is that, you know, they're never going to be in on an expensive player. They're never going to be in on a star top of the free agent list uh, player. And that's, you know, comes with, with, with its own issues that I guess we can go into later, but they have an innate ability to, uh, you know, discover unpolished gems basically. And, you know, create the players that other, create the players that other teams want. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of been one of the fun things about him, but then one of the frustrating things about him. And I think that's why when you talk about Liam Hendricks specifically, and I I felt this way a little bit about Marcus Simeon too, where it's, it's less frustrating that, that Marcus Simeon left in a vacuum. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's less frustrating that Liam Hendricks left, you know, in a vacuum. Marcus Simeon, as good as he was in 2019, he's a relatively replaceable player. And I think Liam Hendricks, he hit the nail on the head talking about, how they develop relievers like this a lot. Like they, they do a really good job of finding guys who, um, who get ground balls or guys who are, you know, maybe just used in the wrong spot with a different team and, and maximizing their talent. It's just the, the frustrating thing, I think, from an A's fan perspective is just like, can they sign, like, can a player have a really good season for the A's and then stay right. at once? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. And I think, like I said, in a, in a vacuum, those two guys leaving is, is less of an issue. But when you stack it up on top of all the other uh, players who have left, it's like, you know, I get Josh Donaldson. I get Yohannes Cespedes. But, like, man, like, Liam Hendricks can't even stay? That's, that's, yeah. where, it gets, that's where it gets frustrating. Yeah. It's, it's sort of a – I don't know how to characterize it. But – from a baseball perspective, it's very cool that they have a front office and a coaching staff that's able to develop the players that they're able to develop from the margins and, and through their system and through their farm system and all that. But on the other side of the coin, uh, from a business aspect, you want to invest in players that have fans coming back. You also want to invest in players that maybe take you over the hump in the, in the postseason. And I'm not going to say that I don't know if there's any direct correlation between spending and uh, winning uh, just from a very pure standpoint. Like if you look at the Tampa Bay Rays, they did, they went to the world series without spending a ton. Uh, right. But it's hard not to wonder how much farther this team could go in the postseason. And, th- and this team, I'll, I'll just speak for this core right now. If, you know, they invested, if they were in on some players that, that that no one would even consider them to be in on just for the pure fact that they haven't historically been on any top free agents or even mid-tier free agents. It, it's, right. it's, it's, hard to, it's hard not to think about what if they were able to be in on a Nick Castellanos or what if they were able to keep Liam Hendricks or, you know, it's, it's, it's hard not to think about if, if, if they were able to have the spending capacity that even an, a league average a team with a league average salary or payroll uh, would be able to spend if that would help them get over the hump in the postseason and in terms of retaining a bigger, lo- more loyal fan base. Yeah, that's been that's been one of the things, um, especially like in the wild card games where it's like, man, they are just like, I, they were better than Kansas City in 2014. Like that's just what it is. Sometimes in a one game playoff, sometimes the the worst team is gonna is is gonna win, but like. Against the Yankees, uh, the 
in 20, what was that? 2018? 18? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it, it was just like, they don't have, they, they have nobody that's going to stack up with this Yankees team. Right. Like over a course of 162, sure. But in a one-game playoff, right. or a short series, they just don't, at some point, the talent is going to win out. And that's where, that's where I think the, the money ball thing falls short is yeah. um, over, over 162. Cool. You can win 97, 98, sometimes a hundred games. And, and that's going to work. But when you go up against a team that is just has better players, uh, it becomes hard to analytics your way through that. Exactly. It's- and I think, I think, I think a player, like you said, like a Nick Castellanos or gosh, even like, Carlos Correa, or if, 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 um, if Francisco like Lindor was available, right? Somebody, somebody of any kind of like stature, I think yeah. you plug them into the middle of the lineup, and it, it gives them, uh, it makes them a lot more of a, of a of a daunting team to try and get through. Yeah, like it shouldn't be a preposterous notion for a team like the A's, who have been successful and in the playoff hunt for the last four seasons. Uh, that they should be in on someone like George Springer. That shouldn't be a preposterous notion, right? But right. it's right. it is because we know that there's no way in hell that that's in their yeah. reach. It's, yeah, it's not even. It, it's like even Trevor Rosenthal for a year and ten million. It was like, oh wow, yeah. spending spree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and of course that um, went south a little bit, but you know, as yeah, so it goes. Slightly. Yeah, and it's it's. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's frustrating at this point, but it's also just kind of life as an A's fan. Like, I don't – I'm 30, and I don't remember an A's team that didn't operate like this. You know, it was, first it was Mark Mulder and then Tim Hudson, and then, you know, Barry Zito goes, and Jerry, uh, Jason Giambi goes, and Miguel Tejada goes. You know, they sign Eric Chavez, but, you know, he has his uh, injury issues at, at, the, at the end of his career. So it just um, – at the end of his time with the A's, I should say. Um, so it's just kind of – it's just how it is. I guess it's just kind of this is this is the way it is, and you just hope that that at some point they get lucky enough that uh, you know Matt Olson and Matt Chapman and and Ramon Laureano turn into those guys that they can't sign, um, right? And instead, kind of put it together while they're with the A's. Right. Everything just has to align perfectly, and you and your fans are sort of hanging on to hope that it will that one time, which is not impossible. Yeah. It's just not sustainable feels that it feels impossible at this point <laughs> when you fall when you fall short as early as they do as often as they do it's like all right well if you keep running into the same problem like you're the problem eventually <laughs> right exactly it's it's sort of a yeah. it's an exquisite pain of sorts like it's it's what fans sign up for when they want to be a fan of a team like you know no only one team wins in the end so most people are going to be disappointed for one reason or another, but it's just a repeated frustration. And it feels like maybe fans are going insane because they're, they're addressing the same issue every year for 20 years. It's, I I don't even have the right word for it because frustrating is not, it's just kind of like, it's like a family member that you're just kind of stuck with. (laughs) Like I can't, I'm not like, I talk all this, I talk all this crap about how like, Oh God, why don't, why am I going to care? Like, but Hey, fact of the matter is, uh, when they're losing six in a row to start the year, like I'm pissed. Right. Like, <laughs> like it makes me like it, it. It it makes me upset. Like I can't I can't let go of that like fan part of me that that you know allows me to be mostly indifferent. Like it's it's just it's there. It's an eight, and it's frustrating because it's like 
they don't care about winning. So why, like they, they, the players do the, the organization uh, at the top doesn't care about winning. So why should I care about investing my time and money and energy into the team? Uh, But it's there. It's always, it's like, I can't, I can't quit. Like I'm, I'm going to sit here. And while I tell you like, yeah, Hey, uh, it seems impossible that they're ever going to get any kind of deep playoff run because of, uh, their their financial shortcomings in their roster, right. um, it uh, it also is something where I'm like, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe yeah, they'll figure exactly. it out. I want to be there when they do. I yeah, be there when they do. So. That's like that's human nature. That's that's the nature of a fan is to you know you cling on to hope. I feel like that's that's the, the your brain chemistry just being a fan, which is I hate uh, it. <laughs> it's super fun, um, and it's you know. I'm always with the A's. I'm always fascinated with the slight disconnect between the front offices, the, the baseball operations ability to put together some of the best teams in baseball with the resources that they're afforded. And it's just, I, th- I think like generally in an, from an objective standpoint, I think that's fascinating. And I'm also fascinated by the fact that there's never been any, very much leeway at all to n- not put the baseball operations, uh, people in into that kind of stressful situation (laughs) i understand revenues are part of it but you know it's it's a it's it's a fascinating situation but like can you spend one season in the red to see if you can put together a championship and see what that does for your your income yeah i mean money don't make money that's that's the whole frustrating thing is it's like all right, so you have this stadium that isn't, you know, super uh, – they've, they've actually admittedly done a great job making it more kind of family-friendly and fan-friendly. Totally. Uh, some of the alterations they've made to the Coliseum are really legitimately cool. But, um, you know, nobody nobody sees the Coliseum like that. You know, nobody – Oracle Park, for sure. Like, people will go to Oracle Park just to be there. Nobody's doing that at the Coliseum. Yeah. And on top of that, like, you can't buy a jersey of your favorite player – you can't go and you can't buy a giraffe hat or a panda hat and you can't buy a player t-shirt or, you know, whatever, because there's no, there's no connection to the players. Like the giants did such a great job starting in at the, at the beginning of the last decade, you know, with Buster Posey and Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford, it's like, that was the core. Those were the guys and Pablo Sandoval doing extent and the pitching staff, of course, but you knew those guys were going to be around. So of right. course you're going to form that connection with them. And then they go win and like seeing the A's not do that. And knowing that it's because, like, well, you know, the fans aren't coming out and uh, the, the revenue is not going to be there. So, you know, the purse strings are going to be tightened. Like, what, like I, I want to see them for three years. Commit to it for three years. And be like, hey, we're going to be in the red a lot, but we're going to see if it pays dividends in the long run. I would, right. Maybe it doesn't. But I would like to see them try because uh, it seems like they haven't for 20 years. Yeah. And that sucks. And that's like getting to the ballpark aspect of it. That's why I, I, I understand why Dave Cavill is so adamant about getting a ballpark at Howard Terminal or something like that space because you want to build a modern, you want to build a modern ballpark that attracts people uh, like Oracle Park does. Like I, I understand why you want to be competitive in that way. Why, why sort of say, no, you're the A's, you have to go into the parking lot because it's easier. Why not reach for the stars? Like if you're gonna if you're gonna go out and accomplish something and build a new ballpark, do it in the best possible way. Do it in a way that's going to make it a, the right investment. 
So I think, I think like I, I went through a period where I was just like, why not just go with what you already have? But I understand the push to create a modern ballpark that keeps up with everybody else because you want the A's to keep up with everybody else. You don't want them to take anything. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think that that's, that's another element to what's on their horizon. Um, okay, I want to I end this with just talking about uh, some of the players because, uh, or in the team in general, they're in a, as we speak, a 10-game win streak. Uh, that's possibly uh, on the line right now. Um, oh, no. <laughs> well, I want to talk about Lazardo. What do you think about him as a pitcher that you like to watch and are excited about? Um, so he's, he's the, huh, I don't want to say the most excited I've ever been about an A's prospect, but it really feels that way. I would have to go back and think about it, but just the anticipation of him coming up, um, knowing the stuff he had, uh, pre Tommy John, and then, you know, seeing little glimpses of it, you know, in videos or whatever. Uh, and then he comes on and is electric in that game against Tampa Bay. And yeah. it was just like, oh man, like they've they've got something. Like this guy's legit. Yep. Um, and I actually that's got to talk to him down at. Yeah, he was he was incredible. Mm-hmm. And I think that's and when you talk about excitement, like he's been struggling lately. He's giving the ball up a little more, and um, he he was he was excellent against in his start against the Twins. Um, and I think what we saw against Minnesota is is going to start being a little bit more the norm. I mean, maybe he's not going to go six shutout every night, but um, or five and two thirds or whatever he went, but. Um, I think when that that guy is there, and like I said, as much as he struggled kind of last year in the COVID nineteen shortened season, and um, you know, starting up this year, he was he was a little shaky out of the gate. I really feel like the stuff is there. It's never it's not his it's not his stuff. He's still electric, and I think he's just kind of trying to uh, figure it out. He's still what 22, 23? Yeah, like, he just turned twenty three. Um, yeah, he's uh, I. I am as excited about him now as I was uh, before he ever threw a pitch in the majors. And uh, that's even with him, him struggling a little bit uh, here to start the year. But I, I think there's a really good pitch in there. Yeah. I, I, I keep after having to remind myself that he has not really played that much, even though it feels like he has, he is right. He's only had a handful of starts in the big leagues. He didn't even pitch that much in the minor leagues because they wanted you know they want to get up get him up if you have a young pitcher with that kind of confidence and that kind of stuff you want him to learn the ropes against the game's best hitters because then at one point you're just wasting away his energy and his arm against hitters that he can blow up blow out of the park or he could blow away or whatever so I think I think that there's we're watching him go through his growing pains and then people who expected him to just be uh like uh, Sonny Gray in his second year immediately, uh, you know, maybe they're getting a little impatient. But I think that it's the right perspective to have with Lazardo is that he has some of the most electric stuff that you'll ever see on the staff and that a little patience is going to be worth it with him. Yeah, the pitch he threw to strike out Josh Donaldson, the slider down, yeah. at, uh, down at his back foot. Josh Donaldson's a really good hitter. And yep. he made him take like a one-handed half swing. Uh, yeah, disgusting and, and swing. <laughs> yeah, it was, absolutely it was, atrocious. You know, making any major league hitter do that is is good. 
doing it to Josh Donaldson, who, like I said, is, is a really excellent player. Um, that just shows, I know it's one pitch, but that, that's the kind of stuff that he has. And that's, that's the kind of stuff that makes me really excited for, uh, him to get past whatever, whatever he's working through because man. Yeah. It's, it's exciting to watch him. Um, other than, than Lozardo, who has been your favorite player to watch on the team? Uh, I really like Ramon Laureano. Yeah. Uh, just the way, like, dude, he's just a baller. Like he's just, he's good. He's just a freaking really good baseball player. Um, he's, he's a lot of fun. Um, I like watching Mark Dana hit. I think Mark Dana has a really, really nice approach. Um, and he's got a little, when he, when he hits one out, he's got his dismount down. He's a really good flipper of the bat, which is something I, I criticize Matt Olson for as much as I love, uh, Matt Olson. Uh, like dude, pimp a home run one time. Like, honestly, you hit it 480 feet, like like, do something. Uh, it's frustrating. Uh, yeah, Matt Olson, Seth Brown's my guy, though, um, as my kind of random uh, platoon guy that I root really hard for. Uh, I just I, – I think he's going to be a really, really solid player, and I feel like Seth Brown's a dude who just in, like, 12 years are going to be like, oh, Seth Brown's still in the league. Um, <laughs> I just I, – I don't know. He's like that kind I, of guy. I, he's that I kind like of worker, too. He, he just yeah, – I just, I, I solid, think... always – he's just – he just seems like he's in it. He's in it to just be in the game for 20 years somehow yeah yeah he's just out. i don't think he'll ever make an all-star team or anything crazy like that but he's just gonna be a dude and he's gonna produce a little bit so yeah and then jed lowry jed lowry is uh just an excellent hitter um he has been yeah, he for is. his entire career and he just still is like he just he's you know both sides of the plate gap to gap on both sides i just uh love watching jed lowry hit as well he has a very watchable approach like yes. never really stressed that's a great much. way to put it i don't yeah, i don't know how else just, to put it other than that it's such a cliche thing to say, but people go, oh, professional hitter. That's what he is. Right. He's, he's, he's a, always has an idea, great eye. He puts together some professional pieces of hitting on the regular. <laughs> regular producer and professional at best. Yes. I mean, I, I think like yes. part of, part of the, uh, the surprise was that he had been out for so long, and then he came back and was just like, yep, I can still hit. Hello. I'm here. <laughs> like, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? It's Jed, it's Jed freaking Lowry. Of yeah. course he can hit. Hey, guys. I'm Jed freaking Lowry. I'm back. <laughs> it's just like, oh. He's yeah, just going to do hey. this. He's going to do this. He's going to do this until he's like 40. Like, legit. Right. Like, Nelson Cruz is still around. Why can't Jed Lowry DH and hit yeah, 280 not? and 40 doubles a year forever? <laughs> yeah, I, I see it for him. Um, my too. last question for you. What is your biggest wish for the A's as an A's fan? I wanted to win a World Series, like legit, like one, one. Can I get I one? Yeah, one. <laughs> that's that's a fair ask. It's <laughs> it's just like, I, all my friends are Giants, but not all my friends. Most of my friends are Giants. A lot of my friends. I have six friends. Five of them are Giants fans. <laughs> no, all my friends. A lot I, of my friends and a lot, yeah. <laughs> all my friends. My one friend. Uh, no, that I have, I have a lot of friends who are Giants fans and, um, it's just seeing them celebrate in 10 was like, Oh, good for you. Like that's, that's really cool. And yeah. then in 12, it was like, all right. And then in 14 is like, come on. Did you won? Well, the A's are collapsing in the, in the, the uh, wild card game in Kansas city. Uh, you're winning your third title in five years. Like get the hell out of here. Um, but yeah, no, it's, um, <laughs> um, it's, 
you know, I, I would just, I don't even know what I would do. Like I've watched them fall short so often um, that like, I, I have a closer tie to the A's than I do any of my other favorite teams. Baseball is my favorite sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was awesome. Incredible. Mm-hmm. The run the Warriors went on. Um, but if I could get one from the A's, it would be, uh, that's, that's, that's the one. It would be an otherworldly experience for you. It would, it would just, it'd be one of those things where it's like, shut it down. I'm taking a couple days off work. Like I'm, I'm going to wherever the party's at. I'm driving from wherever I am. Um, you know, even if I'm not living in this area, when it happens, I will make sure I'm out here for when it does. And, um, it would be, it would be incredible. Um, so more than, more than the stadium, uh, obviously them staying in Oakland is, is up there, mm-hmm. but, uh, outside of, outside of political things like that, I'm, I'm, I, I, I just want a world series. Like, I don't care who's on the team when they do it. I just, can I, <laughs> can I get one? Yeah. You know what? That's a totally valid and fair ask. So I'll, I'll allow it. Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, thank you, Kyle, for joining me. And I hope I didn't get you all frustrated about the A's, but hopefully a little hopeful about this team. Um, no, you, you didn't get me frustrated. It's just in me. It's just there all the time. <laughs> it just lives. It'll live in you forever. And that's just, just part of being just, an A's fan. It's part of being a baseball fan. Exactly. Well, thanks for, for joining me. And uh, thank you for uh for sharing your entire experience as an ace fan it's 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 been very refreshing to hear literally anytime i'm super happy that uh that you're doing this podcast and i will continue to listen uh keep doing a great job thank you all for tuning in thank you to kyle madsen for joining the show you can follow my a's coverage all season long at san jose mercury news and on twitter at shana rubin till next time <laughs>